0: Hello. hi John. How are you?
1: Hi Merlin. I'm I'm fine, except that my Bluetooth keyboard is dead for some reason, probably out of batteries. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I was my iPhone has decided now that it has this new text feature, this iMessage, that's different from texting. Some somehow mm-hmm. it's blue instead of green. Right. But if it can't. If it can't send its iMessage over whatever proprietary uh, airwaves it uses, then it just sits there like a dumb lump. It's like I have a it's like I have a plastic brick in my hand. So I was trying to communicate with you, yeah, but my keyboard was down and my phone was iMessaging in, incompetently.
0: So it's supposed to be very frustrating for a verbal man. It's hard for a verbal man not to have anything to type on.
1: God, you know, and and so I was, I got on Skype, and I saw down at the bottom. I was trying to like figure out how I could send you, send you a Skype message, and I saw a little smiley face down at the bottom of the message area, and I clicked on it, and it was all those emoticons, the little, the little smiley face with a halo, and smiley face with the eyeballs, the googly eyes, and little smiley face with the devil horns and i was like yeah i'll send him some smileys and he'll know that i'm he'll know that i'm here so i clicked on all these smileys and and without being able to push return Uh,
0: i couldn't send i couldn't even send a smiley let me see if i can do that i'm gonna send you uh send me a smiley musical oh yeah i see your problem
1: right right So I just—they were just—all these smiley emoticon things were were piling up down in the bottom, but I couldn't send them. It was, ugh. I felt I felt like uh I felt like the the protagonist of Metallica's song. I wasn't going to say it.
0: I wasn't going to say it.
1: <laughs> Darkness imprisoning <laughs> me. me. All I that I see, absolute, absolute I cannot. Man. I cannot Skype. I cannot <laughs> smoke text.
0: On. I cannot smile. <laughs> Oh my gosh, John, we're uh, just a couple of seconds in and I I have so much to ask you. Yeah. Um well first of all gift of the magi as I was just connecting with you and I don't want to talk about computers, but I realized that my mouse is in the same sad state as your keyboard. It's I have a very uh, Byzantine uh, mouse. It's actually from Byzantium.
1: Oh, oh Byzantine mouse. <laughs> oh, look how little they are. It's so complicated. They have such such great little headdresses.
0: I don't know if it's Byzantine, Rococo, Baroque, or, or just really fucked up looking, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the battery thing's blinking red. Yeah, see. So we, we almost were like that uh, Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder thing, you know? Uh, st- Silver Streak? Mm-hmm. No, no, the one where, <laughs> where the train goes out of control and it, it crashes through a train station. No, there's one. I forget what's it called. It's called Wackadoodle or Odd, Odd Job or something. Mm, where it's not, it's not the one in jail with the <laughs> fat guy. That's my favorite Gene Wilder movie. Wackadoodle is <laughs> one of my special words. I'm trying. I'm trying to not use it too much. Uh, my friend uh, John, uh, another John. I've known too many Johns. John Gruber. He likes the word cockamamie, and he, he but he keeps his powder dry. It's one of those words that's so special. You he pulls only, it out when he needs it. Another one I got from John is Dingus. I love you know I used dingus, dingus in the last episode, so now I can't use it in this one, even though I already. Yeah, just
1: Ding did. Dong is a good is a good substitute for Dingus. You're, you want to call somebody a Ding Dong?
0: You when you struggle sometimes to figure out exactly how to frame someone, sometimes you'll struggle and pause for a minute, and you'll end up on Ding Dong.
1: Ding Dong, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I've heard recently from uh, from close friends that I <laughs> that my go to word now is horse shit. <laughs> Everything is horse shit.
0: And you usually say it. It's a lot like the uh, Mandarin language. I don't wanna go ping pong here, but there's a certain tonality to the way you say horse shit. Again, sometimes you that's, pause as you absolutely. mentally, mentally scan the hard disk that is your brain for the proper response. And then yeah. you say horse shit. Yeah. It has a certain, it has a certain cello like quality. Horseshit. My friend let me play her <laughs> cello the other night. I should write this down. We're pretty deep in the stack already. Um, I want to get back to emoticons because I know that's something you think about. I want to come back to Metallica. Um, yeah, I was uh, at her house pretty late, and I'd been drinking. And mm-hmm. I, I, Oh, that's a great time to put a cello in somebody's isn't that? I sit here every. <laughs> she was so nice about it, and I uh, I sit here now every <laughs> day. she
1: didn't have a clarinet. <laughs> we were, we were
0: Rick, si- <laughs> <Rick>. <laughs> No, man, I would never ask to touch somebody's clarinet. That's like kissing somebody's bird. That's right. That's right. French kissing somebody's cockatiel. Ooh, disgusting. I, you know and i'm sitting here now and you know me you know i drink but i'm not that guy you right. know i hope i'm not i'm not i definitely don't black out and like like the uh uh from the wonderful uh, uh bill cosby in bill cosby himself remember him talking about cocaine how it intensifies your personality mm. he says well what what if you're what if you're an asshole uh-huh. you know now with me i'm the kind of person that would love to play a cello and by play a cello i mean try not to break it while i'm playing i guess they call it pizzicato and uh, I sit here every day, and I know cellos are expensive, mm-hmm. and and you know, so I, I ask her if I could, <laughs> you know, I play your t- miss. Well, like you're not a guitar guy, right? Even though you do, you're never a guitar guy at a party, right? Oh,
1: sometimes I'll get roped into being guitar guy. You get shy.
0: I've seen you be shy at parties. Yeah. Well, some people come up to me and they and they start, you know,
1: they start le- leaving a little trail of breadcrumbs, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll talk to you about that, and then pretty soon. They've led me down some primrose path,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm standing in front of a house made of gingerbread, mm. and I'm talking about guitars.
0: You eat gingerbread at, at a party? Oh, see, I don't mind talking about guitars. I'm thinking I, I we were at a party once. I think it was at the end of a tour, and you were very you were very uh, tired, mm-hmm. and uh, I think you took a nap once at a party that we went to together because you're not a big party guy. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take a nap at a party. Yeah. fuck yeah, I will. It's down in San Mateo, where they make the love dolls. We were at a party, and I think you excused yourself and went and took a nap in someone's room, maybe on some coats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still five years old. someday, there, someday there'll be a plaque. Down. someday there'll be a plaque there that says John Roderick slept on a coat here. But you know, I, I I used to be, and obviously, as we've seen from the impromptu Skype jams, I still can be guitar guy. I truly try not to be, but like nobody nobody likes get playing guitar at a party guy. Oh, you're talking about play guitar at a party guy. No, no it's one thing. It's one thing to talk about like F entries. It's another thing to like go, Oh, in my case, like even today, I'm, I'm pretty gregarious. I like talking to people for a while, but like it, when they start talking about the intricacies and this is totally, you know, um, uh, what's the word where you're, you don't do what you say. Um, Hypocritical? Oh, I hypocritical. Very, I keep yeah. want to refer to my friend's show, hypocritical. This is totally hypocritical of me, but I will sit there and suddenly people, you know, there's like pro drinkers and amateur drinkers. Do I? And the amateur drinkers will, well, sure. You know what? Let's come back to that. <laughs> and so Bro. they start, the, the, the amateur drinkers, you know, and these are people who don't get out much. They, you know. Sure. And, they get wasted on St. Patrick's Day, not, New Year's Eve, oh, God. Cinco de Mayo. And there's the shittiest drunk drivers Weddings. in the world. That's the problem. Yeah. And so. This did not happen at this party because it was great. It's a bunch of people you know. You people, you know, it's a nice group. We're sitting there and you know uh, watching watching videos from the Who and stuff on TV. And, and you're uh, like, let me let me get that cello in my hands. My God, John! Let me jam out some cello tunes. Holy over the... shit! I can't believe how much I was that guy that night. I was also <laughs> let's watch a quick one on the Stones Rock and Roll Circus guy that night. Uh-huh.
1: That's, a great, I, that's that guy, a great. I've been that guy. I've been that guy
0: with you, right? Well,
1: a quick one is you know that's the that's the key to watching the rock and roll circus, right? That's how you understand why no one ever saw the rock and roll circus before just a few years oh, ago.
0: We got to talk about because that. The
1: Rolling Stones were so embarrassed that the who kicked their ass all around the block that they were like, yeah, we shouldn't
0: put that Fucking out. Taj Mahal kicked their ass. I mean, it was embarrassing. <laughs> well, and you know, the story, God fucking damn it. You know, the story behind that is what's his head. Um, uh was oh, it uh, sir Sir Eaton Limsey Hogg or whatever? The guy it was one of those guys. Uh, right. Right. Yeah, Sir Eaton Sir Eaton, 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 <laughs> Eaton, <Sir> Eaton <laughs> Limzy, Lindsay Hogg the guy who directed Let It Be. Uh, mm-hmm. anyway, he um and now I get all these guys confused. You also got now Peter Schaefer is the guy who wrote Equus, Peter Peter Allen is the guy that was married to Liza Minnelli and who's the guy who uh who stole the Rolling Stones' money? That's Dudley uh, Moore? Peter Berg, Alex, Alex Goldsmith, what was his name? Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, Goldie Goldwasser. <laughs> I have a a little bit of my kid's cold, so I'm trying not to cough. Um, John, yeah. So anyway, well, oh my God, I can't believe how deep in the stack we are. Here's the thing: you know, I have a cello. I have a cello that I will. I want to come back to the cello. I okay. Well, here's the thing: people don't cello? I'll send you a cello tomorrow. Yeah, fax it to me. uh, So this is a thing that was recorded in like something like what 1968. What, the circus it was before so quick one was like 6667 something yeah. like that and they the, the 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 stones had this tv show you know what no one cares all i'm no saying is the you sto- can look it up well but it's worth you know <laughs> watching cuz apparently the stones put this thing together this extravaganza for tv i guess probably in england and do you know the story about the taping like how the taping went really poorly and it ran really really late
1: you can see that in the footage. You can see everyone there is just like, ugh. I'm so tired of this." This isn't as fun as we thought it was going to be.
0: Can I just say, like, like <laughs> having a... I don't know if it's ping pong, but having a dwarf and clown makeup is probably super fun for about 30 seconds. But well, like, tell that to the guys in Jackass. Fucking 5 a.m. No, those are the guys with the chainsaw. <laughs> or is it <that> the Juggalos? <laughs> the Juggalos. Yeah, well, I, I mean... I. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like the Rolling Stones were the jugglers of the sixties. Oh, you know what? I-, I would love to talk to you about the Rolling Stones because this is where I differ from a lot of people. I- I'm not the hugest Rolling Stones fan.
1: That's amazing to hear. I Can like- that be true? Mm-hmm.
0: So apparently, apparently, if Rolling I got Stone? this right, I think it was 5 a.m. when the Who went on.
1: Oh my God!
0: And they that got contextualizes
1: up there. that performance in a whole different way.
0: Well. i I don't even know it's like there's this few videos that i make a point of watching at least once a month and and you know i really like music if there's i don't even if i don't need to have my understanding of the importance rock and roll of rock and roll renewed on a regular basis watching that video though no no well it just makes it stronger it's like it's like Job. it's like, it's like
1: but here's the thing about the who yeah i mean that was that that whole experience was before cocaine was invented
0: It's an inflection point for the band because it's the beginning. He's got the Tesla Vest thing. It's before who's next. It's after the mod thing. And it's right at the point when they became like the really, really, really good band. And that performance is shattering. It's just just shattering.
1: It's after the mod thing, but I seriously doubt that it is after the amphetamine thing.
0: Oh, because Pete looks pretty sweaty.
1: They are very amphetamined. And that is a, uh, you can't... Not you the can't. ox,
0: though. He's just, he's just he's got oh, a no. stupid haircut. See, now here's the thing. He's solid. Entwistle salt. still has that stupid-ass haircut with the bangs.
1: Right. Well, stupid-ass on anyone but Entwistle. On Entwistle. He's he a, you know, he a snappy dresser. He looks like an aircraft carrier. <laughs> <laughs> he is... He looks like an aircraft carrier in a bowl haircut. Somebody could land he, on him. And he, he, he wouldn't a, miss a beat. He is amazing. You could land a jet aircraft on him and he would just be like, I don't
0: have a huge problem with bass players in general, but that guy's in a different fucking movie. When you watch what he's doing, you watch his finger, his right hand. I don't know what the fuck that guy's doing. He it's, invented the bass playing. Okay. Even more so than like uh, the, uh, huh? You look modern rock and roll bass playing. You mean?
1: Yeah. R- modern rock and roll bass playing. Right. I mean, so much to talk Carol Kay invented the bass playing, but you know he, she
0: plays banjo on smile. I just learned that two days ago. Yeah. She's all over that. Did you get that yet? smile sessions? I do have it. The, the new one.
1: You know, we played Sloop John B just the other day at the uh, on that's the roots, Oh, okay.
0: huh, that's a pretty good song. That's sad. I've been covering the
1: Rolling Stones on the ukulele lately, so just to bring it all back. Why around did he? To, why did
0: he take up and eat up all of his corn? Do you have a sense of that. Hmm. You know the line. Yeah. Then he took and he ate up all of my corn.
1: You know, a lot of mix lyrics do not bear close inspection.
0: No, 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 no. First of all, we're talking we're talking about the Beach Boys, and second, it's a folk song. Sleep John B's been around forever.
1: Oh, I see what you're talking about.
0: it was like the first mate. He got drunk, something in the captain's trunk, and then he took and ate up all my corn. I'm pretty hey, sure. He got
1: drunk and he did something in the captain's trunk. You're starting to get what this song is about.
0: Okay. And and so, and so that performance is something. So just to go back a little bit, you know, you know how it starts. You start, you leave the restaurant, you go to a bar, you leave the bar. And this, this woman, my friend Jessie, was nice enough to have us into her home. Oh, and, are we back to this? And so here's the thing. I'm just realizing because this is a moment of revelation. I think what you call it in group, you call it a moment of clarity? Is that an mm-hmm. Eminem song? That's not
1: something I ever ever said, but yes. Give me a moment of
0: clarity. That's what, they, that's what they say in est. <clears throat> is it true they don't let you pee in est? Uh, they, don't done, <clears throat> they don't even have a bathroom. They only go to convention centers that don't have a bathroom. I've never done... <clears throat>
1: excuse me. I have a little bit of a frog in my throat. I've never done S, but I think my dad in the 70s really did, did it Where back when it was really the thing, like all the... You would go there. It's like a
0: hip couples yeah, you, retreat or something. You
1: had to do it. And it's Werner Herzog or something is the That's guy. That's right.
0: right? The, the, the guy was Emerald Donuts. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and my dad went and, you know, I think Warner, that Warner, my Erhard.
1: dad and his little, his little click of um commie retinue like, yeah like jewish psychologists in alaska <laughs> that were his gang back before fleece they had turtlenecks <laughs> um they had a lot of this gang wore a lot of turtlenecks and they actually practiced uh you know some of the principles of s tried to practice them on me it, but as you know hmm. i'm i am uh You're completely, i'm completely bulletproof when people try and practice principles on me <laughs> I have, I have my, my principal shield. Goes
0: if if I was going to have your player character, you would have a very very complicated multi-page player character sheet. But I'm guessing same. somewhere under uh, your seven charisma, somewhere I kid, <laughs> I kid, I kid. I would say you have probably a 17 constitution. You have yeah. you probably have like a 16 or 18 charisma.
1: Oh, that's nice of you to your say. Your
0: dexterity is very low, though. I've seen that. You have trouble playing the guitar. <laughs> it's true. I but don't I'm saying know. somewhere on there, it would, they'd have to have a new field. You'd have to contact Gary Gygax, who I think passed. But there would be a field on there called impervious to est. Mm. Hmm. And, and, and principles in general. So here's what I'm saying, John. I you well, my is... imperviousness to est in my
1: bag of holding? Mm. Hol- holding. Hmm. Sir, gelatinous cube.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this. There's no, way, there's no way to, to out a lot of nerdy men more than making a slightly loud D and D reference at a party and seeing who turns around.
1: Yep, yep. It's quite easy to do. I mean that's what that's where Will Wheaton <laughs> Will Wheaton walks around with that t shirt on with a twenty sided die on it. And I think people come people like attack him on buses and that's stuff. That's
0: gotta be a pussy magnet. Twenty sided die? Tell yeah. it, tell me about it. Yeah. Save versus inhalers. <laughs> <sighs> I didn't play D and D. But the but the thing is John, my that mom- be true hmm? No. Well, you know, here's the thing I think I played, about... I played the shit out of D&D is what I did. Yeah. Here's the thing about D&D.
1: Okay. A lot of the people that I talked to that, you know, that played D&D, what got them out of playing D&D was not that they, uh, was not that they grew out of it or that it was that they felt, that they felt like it was a child's game, but more, at least in my case, more that, uh, that my own imagination in terms of going on adventures with elves and finding treasure... My own imagination was so much more vivid than any dungeon master in my town could conjure.
0: Did you become your own dungeon master on some level?
1: I became my own dungeon
0: master. Mm -hmm.
1: And when you become your own dungeon master, you are no longer playing D&D. You don't have to hide the throws behind a screen anymore. Right. You're just out. Eventually, what it ended up was that I was out in the forest playing swords and sorcery with imaginary friends. Imaginary uh,
0: dragons. Were there people there? There we're not. You're going solo. <laughs> I yeah, made so- a, solo mission. I made a sword out of uh, the the
1: out of the the stick of wood that was holding up a political sign that said like <laughs> elect Tom Fink mayor of Anchorage or whatever. And I took the sign and I made a sword out of it. And then I was off. I didn't need any. I didn't need. I didn't need no sneaking books. I didn't know player player characters. I knew what my constitution was.
0: I think people are attracted to D&D. I did some of that, too. And by the way, it just sounds to me like you're exactly the kind of person all those hysterical articles were about. The kind of people like there's teenagers down into the sewers, there's yeah. teenagers in our in our sewers looking up yeah. at us. Yeah. I, if, if if Anchorage had had decent sewers,
1: I would have been down in there. Is that right? I would have been fighting uh, hobgoblins. And
0: I spent a lot of my first. life trying to find ways into other things. I would have loved to find my way into a sewer. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people get into D&D in retrospect for two reasons. I mean, there's a lot of reading, and it's an easy, relatively easy way to be around other people at a time. You know, and people who, who you could see it's easier to, to feel, feel cooler than mm-hmm. or cool as, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of reading. I was attracted because there was a lot of reading, and there were there were books.
1: And it was an easy way to be around other people without having to develop, like, all the social skills necessary
0: well, like when you're, like when you're little and you're in a church group, it's easy enough. I mean, or school, like you're right. kind of thrust into the situation with other people and there's a tacit understanding why you're all there and you don't need to explain or college, right? You just mm. all live in the same dorm. Right. Here we are. are you, can I borrow that pan? Right. That's like pretty easy. And when you get older, I think that gets hard. Now, here's the thing. I, I, I. It wasn't even that I thought it was so, so much that I thought it was dorky anymore. It's it's that I think at some point in every D anD D guy's life, it becomes less about dice and bugbears and more about big-breasted ladies and corsets. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that our campaigns, wenches, wenches yes, yes, wenches. When and you I,
1: make the transition to wenches, you're into a different kind of role playing.
0: Well, when you're, you start planning campaigns that involve like a lot more. Going to a, a tavern because <laughs> the cool. I uh, mean, there may be like a hot chick in a cave, but by and large, it's going to be some saucy saucy girl behind the counter. And I think at that right. point, the
1: hot chick in the cave always has tentacles for arms.
0: Is the problem at first? Well, not at first. No, that she lures you in. Wasn't there a Cthulhu game too? Call it was it call, was called Cthulhu the book? Wasn't that also a game?
1: There are so many Cthulhu games now. I, I just I just saw a game called Cthulhu Flux. Is I it in the future? It's, it's, it's in the future, yeah. Hmm. But uh, for me, my problem, I guess, is that I have spent my whole life trying to find ways to get out of being around other people. So maybe that's why I, I bagged So you just be- let
0: your guy die? Because it was just like, I am i don't want to be here in this Take a house. nap on somebody's members-only jacket. <laughs> with these dumb kids. Yeah,
1: can I go take a nap? I'm going to go play in your yard. Can I go act this out in your yard? So I'm, I-
0: I'm sitting there. It's 2 in the morning, and I'm making people watch videos on the Apple TV. <laughs> and then at some point, I said to Jesse, is it You're the head of the party. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't even believe I did this. I asked her if I could, like, fiddle with her cello.
1: Right. Uh.
0: And she was so nice. Did
1: it. you do the thing that you do at parties where you you you, uh, you explain to everyone in a kind of loud voice why the, they might be giants or the, one of the great American rock bands?
0: Not at this party. If I'd stayed another I've hour. Seen, I've seen you do that. <laughs> could have No, it would have been the move. And it would have been around, if I hadn't left, it would have been around 3.30. I would have talked about the move because I will eventually talk about the move. But she was okay. nice and she let me. She said, no, no fucking way. And not in her words because she's very polite, but no fucking way. She might have said, no fucking way. Are you touching my uh, bow? You know, that's 1,800 bucks for a bow. For a good bow. It's me. I'm out about horse hair. The bow that I'm going to send you is an 1800 bucks. Are you going to really send me a cello? Yeah, you want a cello? I'd be so yeah. into that.
1: Uh, it's a. Uh, uh, oh, oh. Hmm. Ah. Yeah. It was over. <clears throat> it was over in my cello
0: area. You're, str- you're struggling with deciding whether your cello was actually within arm's reach of your desk. Hey, hmm. is that an open
1: tuning? This is uh, this is my terrible intonation because I don't play fretless instruments. Hmm.
0: It sounds like um, it sounds like a hill giant deciding whether it has food poisoning. <laughs> Maybe a gollum. So she she gave it to me, and I was like, can hey, you teach me how to play that public soul song? And and she actually showed me how to do... And I actually, I, I played it right, like, almost exactly once, and then I put it down, because I realized I was being that guy. But I actually, at, at, at a cute girl's house, I, I asked her to teach me Bach at 2 in the morning on her very special cello.
1: Uh huh.
0: If there's I'd... never been more of a, that guy, I don't know who it is. Mm. Did you put your ear to her F-hole? Mm, the entry? Mm. F-entry. Anyway, that's enough of that. I just... Yeah. D and D, I you know the funny thing is with the D and D. Then I once I was off it, I couldn't get back into it. You know, but I, I think the girl thing kind of has an effect. And I don't want to sound unkind, but I think when you talk about the Comic Con and stuff, I think that that saucy wench thing. Like if you if you missed your uh what's it called? You know the guy Erickson. There's an Erickson period. You know, which is uh, the D and D period. And if you don't make it out of there, you know, there's a struggle at every level according to Erickson. Well, right. But here's the <clears throat> here's the thing that I never
1: understood. Hmm. Is is the presence, and this is this has been hammered home to me over the last year or two, as I have uh, become more and more uh, engaged with uh, nerd culture and more and more sort of drawn into the nerd nexus. Is the undeniable presence of nerd studs and nerd like hot girls? Oh um, yes, 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 and like, yes. Even in high school, I remember uh, uh, I was taking a, a, some kind of physics class, and the kid that shared my my lab partner. That's what I'm trying to find out. My lab partner was this guy uh, who was the entire semester that we had this class together, he was working on forging the blade of a broadsword that he was building for himself. And every day we would sit and he would, he would explain like all the different, all the times he was going to fold the steel over and how it was, you know, he was... He was going to make this broadsword, but it was going to incorporate some Japanese sword technology into it. And um, and it it never occurred to him. And I guess it never occurred to me to say, why, like, why do you need a broadsword? You're 16 or whatever. But he was, he was fit. This guy was, he, he, he was in shape and he was, um, he was smart and he was, he was reasonably funny. But he was a nerd all the way, you know what I mean? Like, deep inside this, he was, he was going to end up being the guy that was walking around the town where he lived with this sword that he'd built himself, like, strapped into a scabbard on his back. And that was just going to be his identity, you know?
0: You think that was his plan? Well, I have seen that guy. He's usually wearing a
1: duster. I have seen, I've seen that guy. And a very, very wide hat. Not that, not that exact guy, but but his his uh, his mate. I've seen him in several towns. Either a duster, and a, either a duster or there was a guy here in Seattle who had a Conan sword and rode a pretty hopped up mountain bike and just rode around town all. I mean, for years, Conan, Conan, the
0: Barbarian. Like, like a long, like a long, like a broadsword, like like a really long,
1: like a really long sword strapped to his back, and he would ride his bike around. He had he had big muscles, and um, that was his, that was his identity. That was his way of integrating himself into the urban landscape. He was, you know, he woke up one day and he was like, "I'm the broadsword bicycle guy. Mm-hmm. That's me. I'm him, and everyone will know me. My name will ring out from these skyscrapers." But so so and and you know you go to these events and you see these girls where you're like this is a this is a cute girl this is not this is not just a cute girl within the nerd world she's legitimately a cute girl and she is a nerd and so so those experiences have thrown have cast doubt on what what I had always I I would have agreed with you for years that you know that there came a time when you had to choose between fantasy and and fantasy that was a little bit sexier, and the sexy fantasy leads you into rock and roll, and rock and roll leads you away from swords and sorcery and into actual sex. Part of this are those, but the, but the nerd the nerd people were having this parallel existence where they were actually having sex with each other, and some of them just stayed over there.
0: I <clears throat> this is a this is a big topic, but so but the the the. the cute nerd girls like are they like with the guys with the uh, the nerds that are there or are they there mostly kind of on like a uh, fact finding mission
1: well interesting that you might uh, interesting that you ask that because generally I think the super cute nerd girls in my experience at least are getting off on being fetish items I never really see them pair up with other but, but nerds. It's also, Although I'm but, sure they do. But
0: you, the nice thing about that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's fun, but that it's nice cuz you can visit with that. It isn't like living in LA and like having to be a fetish item as part of your existence. You get to go in and it literally is a costume. I think it's Oh, but I don't I don't I think see very, very cool. many people.
1: I don't see many. I I cannot I cannot imagine like a normal or as we're calling them now snorks. I Ooh. cannot imagine a snork girl. A snork, a snork girl going to comic-con and dressing like a nerd puppet as a as an as a tourist act i think to even be aware of comic-con you have to already be in the nerd family
0: but you think they're dressing like a twi'lek at home they're sitting around watching reality shows all blue i don't know Mm. i don't know it is a fully enveloping lifestyle. i'm not trying to sound cynical about this at all i'm saying it's very empowering you know, I think for some ladies that comes out as sexy nurse at, at Halloween or whatever, and that's an opportunity right. to do that in a, in, a, in a safe environment, right? You wouldn't, yeah. be, you wouldn't be sexy nurse and, and go to like some, some bar, you know, by the college. I don't think you can dress like sexy
1: Twilight and go to work at Amazon.com, but I think that it becomes more, I think cosplay, sexy nurse at a Halloween party is one thing, but cosplay is
0: definitely more of a lifestyle. Lifestyle, that's, that's, become much, that's become much more acceptable, I think, to be like, like a character. Like you're, uh, well, no, sword, sword on a bike guy. Like, I don't know. I, I got a lot of questions about that.
1: That was years ago. That was 20 years ago, sword on a bike guy.
0: Maybe, hmm. He
1: wasn't. I actually found his lair one time. I was walking through a, a disused part of town, a dusty, disused block of, of town, and there's an old building there. And you know how I feel about old buildings. And I was investigating it with my eyes. And I see one of the ground floor storefronts that would have 100 years ago been the place where you would get gumballs and milk of magnesia was now closed. and, uh, and But there were all these like news clippings taped in the window of this, uh, of this former storefront. And so I walk over and I start reading the news clippings. And I realized that it is sword on a bike guy's house. It's his. It's where he lives. He lives in this old store, and he used to be a gunner on a on like a a frigate. He was a na- a navy guy, and he he had been a gunner on one of those uh, hyper fast gatling guns that you see on on little frigates and and destroyers where. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same kind of gun that they put in um, the A ten Warthog.
0: What's the what's the role of a boat like that? Is it a defensive role, or it's a kind of sneak in kind of without being seen role? Yeah, well, they're fast
1: moving little frigates that so kind of go. You protect you, know, can,
0: you protect a big ship before you can do that, or before you can, they get you, there.
1: You can you can you can fire on shore. You know, you get up hmm. get up close to shore and su- support mission role. And they all they'll have they'll have, they have uh, cruise missiles now, so they're they're all. 400 miles away and just being chicken shit, sending cruise missiles into your front door. Cause the, cause you know what? The new Navy is chicken shit with Mm. their cruise missiles and their long distance. If you can't see the guy that you're shooting, I don't think you have a right to shoot him, but that's just my, that's just my philosophy. But anyway, this guy, he had put up his greatest hits up in the window of this shop, including a couple of news articles about him, getting arrested or getting stopped by the police and detained because when he first arrived on the scene Mm -hmm. because they were like you can't just ride around with this broadsword and he said it's my constitutional right and it made some little news article and so here was uh, here i saw i saw where he lived and and um got a little bit of his backstory i have no idea whatever happened
0: to the guy he's in a storefront and there's newspaper articles in the window about himself Right, correct. Were they facing was the print facing inward or outward?
1: Facing outward. It was it was and th- this is the thing it wasn't on a busy street. Hmm. It was it was a street that four people walked down a day, but this was his
0: little like this is me. But it's almost like he wanted to be found out.
1: Well, it's not I don't think he thought of it as his bat cave in the sense that it was hidden behind underneath his mansion. Well, I'm
0: just saying if I if I were a guy on a, who had chosen as, as a bike rider to carry a sword around with me, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that seems to me as somebody with a certain defensive posture, he's not right. out attacking parking meters or, or co-eds or something. He's just got a sword. Cause you never know. Right. I see what you mean. Right. It seems yeah. to me, you know, I don't know a lot about, uh, you know, military and materiel, but, but it seems to me that that compromises his position heavily. If he's got clips about himself in the window. Well, I think that what,
1: what you are, what you're, what you are, uh, the, the, the template that we have now to talk about crazy people like that is all very... There, there are so many conspiracies in the air now that we think every crazy person must be convinced that the government is trying to find him and that, the, that they're watching him from outer space and black helicopters and Illuminati and blah, blah, blah. But I think 20 years ago, crazy people could be heavily armed they could be very militarized and yet still not have taken a total anti-government stance. Mm-hmm. Still be wanting attention rather than trying to pretend that they don't want attention as a way of getting attention. You know, just to be like, I am not, I'm not wearing this sword because I think that, this, that the government is out to get me. I'm wearing this sword because I'm here to protect damsels from dragons. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, a, he was an older kind of crazy before crazy became so institutionalized
0: hmm. or so more, more orthodox. crazy, So franchised. Right. Well, and also, uh, you know, he probably didn't have the resources that we have today to find out more about, about craziness and w- w- what he might fit into. I think a lot of, a lot of the old time orthodox crazies were, were really searchers. They were, they were people right. out looking, looking for what the answer was. And as the cycling got more rapid, uh, they sometimes, you know, ended up in places where you didn't get put, put, uh, clippings on the window. We have one of these guys in, uh, in Tallahassee. I think everybody's got colorful people, right? There's sure. a, you know, a guy who runs in a Superman outfit, you know, mm-hmm. you've got, uh, you know, there's a whole webpage about that Peter Pan guy a few years ago, the guy who dressed like Peter Pan and acted like he was a kid. That was a kind of a popular thing. There's a guy in Tallahassee who went by King Love and he wore, uh, what started as a, a fairly resplendent like, fairy tale idea of, like, a kind of uh, ermine-looking outfit with a big crown. Very yeah. large, garrulous African-American man who, who when you talk to him about it, he'd tell you about his message of love because he was King Love. And it turned out he was this guy who had been a professor at, at Florida State. And, you know, you could fill in some of the ta- details in between, uh, you know, scholarship and ermine. Mm-hmm. But he—here's uh, the thing, and this is the—I don't want to make this, you know, sad. But, you know, a lot of times that starts out as kind of a—, a a fun thing for us, and then it then it escalates. And, and, well, like
1: that guy down in uh, down by the Salton Sea that that painted painted that giant Jesus Mountain out in the desert. Hmm, I don't know about that. He showed up. He, he showed up out by the Salton Sea, you know, fifty years ago or something like that. And he and he looked at this hill. It's not a mountain; it's a hill. And he said, "This hill is my calling." And he he started getting old buckets of paint and just painting this hill. And he painted. It's it's a pretty big hill. He painted the whole thing and covered it with message, you know, with God' is love messages, visible for miles around. Um, it's 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 nice to look at now. You drive by and you go, "There's that." Mm-hmm. But I can't I can't think that it um, I you know. And frankly, the world, the ways of the world are mysterious. Perhaps it has brought some people peace. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it brought some lonely travelers closer to God but i think mostly it was a waste of time and pain
0: look at rock and rollin that's that didn't end well right the guy started out with the rainbow wig and he wanted you know you would always see him on tv
1: oh this is the john 313 guy or
0: whatever 316 john Three, sorry i'm sorry oh, 316 um yeah anyway that's a well known story but that didn't end great i mean what started, happened to him well you can read about it but basically he it started out with he was a guy in a rainbow wig i think he'd had some problems and then he he started... Although he, those
1: two things aren't... I mean, one doesn't necessarily fall from the other. You can wear a rainbow wig and not have problems.
0: Well, we all have our paths. Some of us choose ermine, some of us choose broadswords, and some of us choose rainbow wigs. There are many paths to John 3.13. That's right. But, uh, you know, and then he really got into it, and he started devoting a lot of his effort to getting into the spots, like behind the field goals or whatever, like, where he knew he would end up on camera, and it became a thing, you know, where and, what, wanna, Did it
1: become a thing where the camera guys were intentionally trying not to Show no, I think TV? it. Be, I think
0: it finally became a thing where it's like you know it would be like having Paris Hilton at your party or something, right? Oh, oh, he was a star. But then it got into the John three sixteen thing. Anyway, I think it ended up with some kind of a standoff involving guns. It didn't. It didn't end great. I'm just saying oh, that escalation. It goes up and up and up. Now, now, how do you how do you separate that from somebody like a Howard Finster, like somebody who's like a your, you know, for that matter, what? I mean, William Burroughs. Like some people right. are just sort of a curiosity.
1: Well, and I think this is the thing about Comic Con or 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 nerd culture as it has expanded and become a genuine, like third way, or a genuine a, a, a genuine now accepted and and uh, franchised piece of the cultural pie, is that so much of that outsider art is now being embraced by what was formerly outsider culture and it is becoming all very inside daniel johnston daniel johnston right or i mean half of indie rock i mean,
0: there's a lot of indie rock that rocky, rocky erickson i mean there's a lot of these characters that you know where that's and then, getting
1: and, and there's all for me there's always been a big question like it's pretty easy to pretend that you're a kook it's it, and and then there are you know and there are plenty of guys like howard finster who were you know there was no pretending you know, he was legitimately a kook, but you go to you go to you go to nerd events, and you, you see there there are all kinds of people where you almost feel like they were born a kook. There's no there's no question about it. But as it becomes more and more of a thing, it becomes more and more of a culture and a viable way. You see, you see people who maybe weren't born a kook, but have are now choosing to choosing to affect. A kind of kookiness that maybe isn't even their
0: birth. Like right. they're talking themselves into it.
1: Yeah, like oh, this is cool. I mean, this seems fun, and and uh, and pretty soon. And I think even more like the guy, the, the sword guy on the bike today. Instead of running down the street and having everybody go, "Whoa, there's that guy!" He'd be waiting at a stoplight, and some kid in a in a uh, in a, a wizard's hat. <laughs> Uh, would run up to him and be like, dude, do you want to play Wizards of the Coast with me or whatever? And he would get, he would get absorbed. People would, would maybe falsely identify him as a member of their tribe. Well, he might get a record contract with Drag City. <laughs> right. Or he might end up like, I'm, not, I'm no longer the sword guy on the bike. I am now this character that is being kind of semi-worshipped by a group of nerds mm-hmm. who don't understand that I'm legitimately... Nuts! So you and want, they think I'm. They they turn him into a fetish item.
0: You so you I don't you know I like to keep our show uh, timeless. Right? You know I want these to be programs that people can listen to years from now and still get your wisdom from. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can tell me if you don't want to talk about this, but you've mentioned you've been to Comic Con, and I kind of want to hear about that, but I'm not sure if I want to hear about that. But I just point out that as recently as I believe last week, you were on a cruise ship for people who like Jonathan Colton.
1: Right, well, not just people who like Jonathan Colton, although that is the dominating theme. But what's the
0: what's the elevator pitch on the, the cruise? Joko Joko Cruise Cruise? What's it called? Joko, pa- Joko cruise? cruise
1: Crazy. Joko Cruise Crazy, which is named after one of Jonathan Colton's songs, "Tom Cruise Crazy," right? Which is about a kind of crazy that only Tom Cruise.
0: If you had Tom Cruise's really troubles,
1: be, you'd be you Tom Cruise crazy, crazy too. too. You write,
0: yeah. you know the lyrics to his songs. Well, of course I do. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Jonathan Colton. You've, 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 you know what? I'm going to write this down. I think you've undergone a transformation. I'm going to circle back to that, but, mm-hmm. but I, I don't see 2003, John, uh, no, knowing all these words. Did you like the They might be giants back then. Well, you, you know, you like well, Dead Milkman. We know he stipulated you like Dead Milkman. I just you, didn't. I don't see you, this I, in your oeuvre.
1: I remember you and I having a very, a very. Uh, I remember you giving me the "They Might Be Giants" lecture <laughs> before I had toured with They Might Be Giants. <laughs> uh, before I met them and knew them and became friends, friends with them. Early, early on in your and my friendship, we had a conversation where I think I started out saying, Yeah, I mean, I loved the Giants back in the eighties, but I mean, you know, it's kind of it's kind of in the novelty uh sure. music family. Whack a Whackadoodle and, and, wack-a-doodle, and as you- Jonathan Colton would say. Whackadoodle. And, and you jumped up on a coffee table mm-hmm. and said my sword. No, you have no idea what you're talking
0: about. Listen <laughs> to <laughs> these words and you and you broke down i probably played you they'll need a crane which sounds well, like a very peppy song about construction equipment you broke down a few different songs yeah said do
1: you see what's happening here do you see what's happening here mhm and and uh, you know because i am a difficult person i think i maybe made you work a little bit harder and i think i maybe said thank no you. thank not, you i'm not sure i do see what you do <laughs> so done. many ways you've helped me <laughs> but But, I did see immediately what you meant and uh, and it then, of course, going on tour with them, I realized that you know their songs couched in the language couched in 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 humorous or sort of novel language, uh, they might be giant songs are about the human condition, and like, are, like
0: Jonathan Colton
1: and that is precisely true of Jonathan Colton, mm-hmm. that his songs about monkeys and zombies and robots are really about love and sadness and loss and uh, all the things that make us human and the fact that they are you know the fact that the the topics are giggly Mm -hmm. um, is what draws the nerds i think but what keeps the nerds and what makes him a, a a cultural force and what makes the the giants a cultural force is that you can listen to this stuff Dig in a little bit deeper and realize, oh, my God, this is the the pathos that's in this music is is um, the fact that the music is is fun to listen to doesn't make it any less uh, meaningful. Mm-hmm. So you you actually gave me that. Um, you gave me that speech about they might be giants before I had ever met them. And it it, 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 it truly helped me. Uh because going on tour with them, I was kind of primed to listen to them in a different way, and then, of course, I became friends with them, and you know i th- I think they're they're some of the
0: most deeply human people I know. Well, it helps that they put on a hell of a rock show too and
1: uh, it helps that Jonathan Colton is a um, is a songwriter like uh, of the of the highest order, you know mm-hmm. he understands music and how songs are put together so anyway, I have been drawn into this nerd culture. Through becoming an appreciator of some of the highest practitioners of the art, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I am not, I have not, I am not such a member of the nerd culture that anybody that stands up with a banjo and wrote, wrote a song about a robot is somebody that I'm gonna be like, I love songs about robots, because actually, I do not love songs about robots.
0: Well, there's a thread. I don't know if this is true for The Mighty Giants, but I think one thing through all of Jonathan's songs is, uh, uh, a sense of being an outsider and not being precisely sure what to do about it and, and feeling a little bit misunderstood. That's what I like about the, like the med zombie stuff is, is the, uh, the, the, the person writing the song has the awareness that that person is an outsider and knows why. But I think back to the D and D, you may feel like an outsider a lot of times in your life and, and think all of the tricks that I have for fixing this are not working and it's making it worse.
1: And this is a, a, this has been a recurring theme for me in in trying to integrate or interact with these people because for many, many, many years, for most of my life, I considered myself a nerd. Um, and it was because as a young person, you're talking about six, seven, eight years old, I was precocious and articulate and I liked to talk to adults and I didn't like comic books and I didn't like sports. And so... My peers in school absolutely called me a nerd, treated me like a nerd, taunted me as a nerd because, because of, of the simple fact that all kids like comic books and all kids like sports. And I didn't like either thing and preferred to sit around, you know, if, the, if it was a party and there were some adults and the kids were off playing, I'd go sit with the adults and try and listen to their conversation. So as the years went by um, in high school... I mean, I, I considered myself a nerd. I'm sure there are people who went to high school with me that thought I was, you know, was one of the cool kids, but I didn't. Um, and, and you start to get that self-identification as a nerd when maybe you're not even realizing that you're kind of not one anymore. Yeah,
0: same for I, me. Absolutely yeah, the same.
1: I still thought I was one and identified as one. And that, uh, that self-identification carried on into adulthood. Well, now I'm in a posture where I'm, I'm meeting all these nerds who like comic books and sports. And that is their like, we're nerds! We like comic books! And I still have a very gut, a a deep reaction to that. Because as a kid it was precisely not like, it was, liking comic books was what mainstream kids did. and It was precisely not liking comic books that made me feel like an outsider. All these people who are 40 years old and still like comic books I understand why they feel like they're nerds
0: but that's that's become so much more acceptable in the last few years. Oh I yeah, think.
1: it's 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 super mainstream to be like to be a forty year old guy who is obsessed with sports or obsessed with superheroes.
0: Look at that Adam Savage guy. I mean, you know, he's made a whole thing out out of out of that. I think. I mean, I. Well, he also likes science, and that is nerdy. That is nerdy. I, I was fortunate enough to visit his his little area that he has a couple times, and you visited his area. Yes, I'm not trying to sound like that guy, but I, I tagged along with some people. No, oh, I thought
1: you were talking about that you put your finger. Oh, in his
0: hand. man area, his horse area. No, 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 I've never touched uh, Adam Savage's horse area. But I mean, you know, he's got. I, see, the thing is, I, I consider myself. Uh, I, I always think of myself as being like a Star Wars nerd until I meet real Star Wars nerds, and oh, it's. Right. Can't compete! Real, oh my gosh, it's so different! It's so different. I mean, he's got. I thought all lightsabers were the same, and boy, was I wrong. Now I know that, and now I know Count Dooku has a really different lightsaber, just because of doing stuff with my daughter and reading things and watching movies. But I think he's got like got mostly made like machined all the different lightsabers. He's got all he's got lightsabers. Yeah, and
1: well, he's got I, a TV I, show and stuff. I was just on this nerd cruise, and uh, at during one of the performances. Um, Uh, somebody made a total recall reference. And in the space of 30 seconds, three or four more total recall references followed it. Like, boom, boom, boom. While I was still, I was standing there on the stage, struggling to remember, oh, total recall. Right, that's that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he was, uh, it's like uh, he forgot who, and by the time I'm even putting the plot of it together, Total Recall, there there has been a Total Recall meme, visited, explored, and we are on to something else. And I'm like, that is a kind of absorption and uh, and and um, a kind of love of popular culture that I just, I simply do not have. Like, I did not go back and watch Total Recall again and again as one of 500 movies that I've watched multiple times. So, I can't really, I mean, I can't Play at that level.
0: I think nerds. I think nerds have a, have a lot of retention. Maybe everybody's got retention about the things they care about, but I mean, you know, I used to know a lot about hit points. I didn't have to look that up. There's a lot of things I didn't have I to look. Thought up. You were going to say Hitler, and I. <laughs> We've been pretty good about avoiding the Hitler for a while. You know what? You know what I watched? There's last Hitler nerds. Night? You know, there's like it's like in that Don DeLillo book. You know, there's I'll Hitler nerds. And I
1: might be one. I, you know what I watched last night? No.
0: I, I I got back from Florida. I'm lying in my bed. You were in Florida.
1: Well, yeah, well, that's where the cruise went from. Where
0: did it uh, embark from?
1: Fort Lauderdale. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Um, the the if God was going to give America an enema, he would put it in at Fort Lauderdale.
0: Oh, it would never come out. And is it like American? No, uh,
1: no. God, frontier on the way back, and American oh. on the way there. Both of them complete slave barges, hell storms. Yeah, they're just flinging they shit a, at us. Call it a hell
0: ship. Well, yeah. You
1: know what the airlines are doing now? They're inventing new rules every 30 seconds.
0: Oh, it's sat, just
1: I, so capricious. I sat in a chair and they were like, oh, you can't sit in that chair because you have a baby on your lap. And I was like, how is this chair different from anywhere, any other chair on the airplane? And they said, well, that chair is behind an exit row. Uh-huh. And I said, I understand what you're saying now. I, and I understand why a baby can't be in an exit row. But there's no reason that I can't... Because of the, the flight risk. Behind an exit row. And then the next stewardess that comes by says so i hand the baby off you know to my to my baby mama (laughs) and the next stewardess down the line comes along and says there are too many people in that row there are not enough air there are not enough oxygen masks in that row for for two lap babies and five you know and i'm just like you're just making shit up now
0: oh absolutely absolutely
1: are so disempowered that they don't that they're just like, the only thing I can do is walk down the aisle and pick, Oh, I, pick I know
0: people. you love your bureaucracy, and you are a huge <laughs> defender. I think the thing is, when you get to a point where you don't have real power anymore, you know, they say, they say that in life, uh, real power is not the ability to say no, uh, it's the ability to say yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think when you become a bureaucrat, you mainly derive a lot of your power from saying no. Real and power these, in
1: improv is the ability to say yes. Yes,
0: but. and.
1: Yes, and. Right. <sighs> Sorry.
0: Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a famous yes, <laughs> there's a That's famous right. story where John Rivers was doing a scene with uh, Mike Nichols, and you know everybody learns the yes and from Del, del-, del- Close from the beginning. And supposedly Mike Nichols starts down and he goes like, "I can't believe this is like, why are we getting divorced?" And John Rivers goes, "What are you talking about? We're not even married." So she was considered not good at that. Now, here's, there's two things. First of all, yes, yes, that is ridiculous. There are some baby things. There's a lot of fairly sensible baby things on one of those. But I mean, as far as those, those air. Like
1: uh, when they said, don't drown your baby in a bucket, I was like, oh, helpful advice. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, air harpies, they're they're, they're very unhappy people. But here's the other thing that drives me crazy is the redundancy. Every Mm statement they make almost every statement made on a plane has a built-in redundancy that makes Hmm. me flip
1: what's this i hear about your tps reports
0: you got to go come to or we got to wait until we come to a full and complete stop yeah oh
1: that is redundant
0: oh you never noticed this and our plane is a hundred percent full oh you never noticed this? It, it's it's maddening. Oh, oh talk about see, my ears,
1: my ears weren't attuned to it, but now you are causing a new thing for me to be pissed off about. It.
0: Well, it's, I don't want to go into a stand-up routine. It just, air travel is just, it's so unpleasant. It's well, really heard, so unpleasant.
1: Going back to last night, Sorry. I got home and I was like, oh, I'm so... How long is that so, flight? That's like an eight-hour flight. Well, We stopped in Denver. Don't get me started. Hmm. It's a long time. I was on the plane all day. I get home and I'm, I'm sitting there. I got my iPad. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to watch a movie. And I... And I go on to Netflix. Hitler. I'm just I'm 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 Hitler. promoting product after product here. iPad, Netflix, Hitler, Hitler. I go on Netflix and based on the based on the movies I've watched in the past, Netflix suggests that maybe I would like to relax by watching Triumph of the Will. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's so funny that I watch it.
0: It's so pretty, isn't it
1: pretty long? Why, lying in bed watching Triumph of the Will it is very long lots of slow motion and lots of martial music most of the most of the film is not speeches most of the film is people marching around while the music goes da 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 da, 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 da and like slow slow fades between big flapping swastika flags and all these blonde crew cut guys looking like with uh, total adulation at this schlumpy little Austrian, uh, you know, butt polyp of Hitler. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm and I, halfway through the night. I'm like, what are you doing? This is two hour long movie, a two hour long propaganda film about Hitler. What are you doing? Couldn't you have watched happy Gilmore or something? Like just go turn your brain off. And instead. I'm like, I'm looking at every single, I'm, 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 I'm really fascinated by their tailoring and all the kind of minions I don't know it's a it's an amazing film but not uh, Netflix I don't think Netflix really understands me as well as it thinks it does
0: we get they suggest we watch lots of thomas the train things yeah but yeah, I mean, Netflix's recommendations can be very odd. But in that case, John, I mean, I think you're, that's, you're fighting an uphill battle there. <laughs> Triumph of the will. <laughs> Past this prologue, right? <laughs> I would worry if you started getting lots of, like, you know, Ayn Rand vehicles or something. Yeah, that's next, right? Or Clint Eastwood movies. Or... I haven't seen a lot of Hitler movies. There's that one everybody uses in the memes, you know, with Bruno Ganz uh, freaking out. Good actor. But uh, yeah. I don't think I've seen many Hitler movies. I used to watch Torah, Torah, Torah when I was a kid. That was, a my, that was my canonical long movie when I was a Midway.
1: kid. Midway is a great movie. Is that too. a good one? All right. Midway's great, except, um, except there's, a scene. there's a scene. I remember I watched Midway in the theaters with my dad because he was a World War II veteran. And we always went to see World War II movies. And Midway came out in 78 or 79, something like that. And we go to see the movie, and you know, it's about the Battle of Midway, which is the turning point of the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a scene. When the Americans have, the Americans have, the clouds have parted and they're up in their airplanes and they see the Japanese fleet. And this is the big moment, right? Like they are surprise attacking these three Japanese aircraft carriers. And this is, this is, the, this is really the turning point of the war. The Japanese don't know they're there. And the Americans, you know, they, they, they nose their planes over and they go into this steep dive and they're, they're headed down, cut to a shot of the deck of the Japanese carrier where all these Japanese American actors are milling around on the deck pretending to be a bunch of sailors just going about their business, unaware that the Americans are about to attack them. And I imagine as an actor that that's a hard hard thing for a director to tell you. All right, you're on the deck of the aircraft carrier and you're just doing your work. You're doing your aircraft carrier work you have no idea that the Americans are about to attack. So just act natural. So there are all these guys milling around the deck of the aircraft carrier. And then all of a sudden, one of them, the guy right in the center of the screen, apropos of nothing, <laughs> spins around, points to the sky and goes, Die mama, die bomber!"
0: <laughs> as, as though, I mean, really. Displaying, you- displaying that famous, that famous... Casual Oriental coolness yeah. about 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 plane attacks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Two seconds before he was walking. Was it across, really that ping pong? It was, and and and, but it was. It wasn't. It wasn't the, just the whole.
0: I mean, this is from the era when
1: the portrayal of Japanese in war movies was pretty touch and go. But even Tora,
0: Tora, Tora like, they had subtitles. Like the the Japanese people people spoke Japanese. Yeah, and no, this was
1: the, in this in this film. Uh, there were there were American actors playing the Japanese characters, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. But definitely, this one actor, this one guy, oh, man. who who two seconds before was just on his way across the aircraft carrier deck, probably uh, he was the guy, he was an orderly or he was headed somewhere to to change the toilet paper or something, and then he spins around, points to the guy and goes, "Dai baba dai baba at eight years old. I was like, "Well, that just took me out of the movie." <laughs> I was, I was really engrossed a second ago, but that one scene, that guy's terrible acting, really, and so now I can't watch the movie without without waiting for that guy. Like I love him now.
0: This is June of nineteen forty two. Is it really that early? It was considered a turning point. Where were we? Still kind of getting our ass kicked up through like forty three. Well, we were,
1: except it, well, it was a turning point because we we sank three three Japanese characters in one in one battle and that was the
0: four carriers one cruiser 248 aircraft oh, four carriers yeah we we lost one they lost four i'm sorry we and they forgive me 3057 uh japanese killed yeah wikipedia is well, always right
1: but the four carriers the war in the pacific was a was a carrier war mm-hmm. you know that so that's was, a long that's a long drive it is a, it's a really long drive and 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 establishing air superiority through all those archipelagos uh, all through the you know through southeast asia like the carriers were going to be the the deciding factor and the japanese did not have the ability that we had again us and them uh, we could we, we kicked our war machine into gear and we were churning out aircraft carriers like like lays potato chips and that, that that was much more of a capital investment on their part, and it was much harder for them to replace those car- carriers. So, yeah, looking, I don't think at the
0: time they thought turning point of the war. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, yeah. also this is here uh, code breaking. Code breaking was a big part of the war, wasn't it? With the Enigma and stuff. That's that's partly how we won, right? Well, in in Europe, Enigma helped us a lot, and then but they it- did. The thing is, they didn't know we cracked it for a long time. That was a big part of it, right? That's the thing. If they Again, knew, this they is they why you don't put your newspaper. Code. This is why you don't put your newspapers in the window. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's much more valuable if they don't Loose know that we've cracked it. Ships. I was reading about the Bataan Death March. As I do, I don't know why I always end up reading about awful things. I ended up. You heard me earlier. I referenced hell ships. I, I'd been reading um, that Frederick Douglass autobiography which is a heck of a read and uh and reading about slave ships and apparently they were pretty un- oh, pretty, God, un- I, pretty unpleasant to be on from I, what i can gather I was
1: just you were talking about baton death march and then you were talking about frederick Douglass, and mm-hmm. i was like how's he brain- gonna pull
0: this all together my brain was just like whoa, 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 i was gonna mention that denzel washington movie
1: the, uh, it was turning the key, and the starter was just not engaging. I was like, how is he going to do it? How is he going to connect
0: those two? Well, I'm, not, Sle- I'm not the scholar that you are. But anyway, then I ended up reading about Slate. You know how this is. This is the Wikipedia problem, is you end up you know, reading these things. That's why I know more about serial
1: killers than I would ever
0: care about. Oh, my to- God, me too. I did, I've done serial killers on Wikipedia big time. You know, there's a page where you can find who's killed the most. I think it's Gary Ridgway, isn't it? Hmm. I haven't looked in a while. Gary Ridgway, is that the Green River guy? No. Yeah. Who is- really? Yeah. So he still holds the record? Well, the problem is that, that you never know how many. Oh, it's 100 plus. Yep. That's right. That's right. And I ended up reading about the Bataan Death March, which is also apparently pretty unpleasant. Yeah, that was bad. And uh so is it correct that that was boy, this is really going to be a funny episode. Is that <laughs> is know. that um and Back so and they made it sound like like the, the 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 really really horrific things that happened on the Bataan Death March we very effectively we we yes it was we the allies the united (laughs) states used it very effectively to like redouble everybody's effort on how important this was i mean at the time there was whispers about about the camps right yeah but we knew that they were just bayonetting people for no reason uh and that was and that was it is it true that was a very effective way to redouble people's efforts at a time when we weren't it wasn't going that great
1: well and also the soldiers that were baton death marched were precisely the soldiers that macarthur abandoned when he snuck out of the Philippines in the dead of the night, uh, escaping the Japanese advance. So MacArthur's whole, like, I shall return business was, you know, kind of uh, shadowed or shaded by the fact that a lot of the people that, a lot of his army that he left behind got, you know, got batoned. Um, So, when when he landed in the Philippines again, um, it had this, um, it had the air of like retribution and it had like, there, it wasn't just that we're here to save our Philippine brothers. It was, we're here to avenge right. the death, death and mistreatment of all these, you know, these men that,
0: <laughs> and, to, and to salvage my reputation. That's right. All these men that I
1: unfortunately had to leave behind when I split, uh, Early on in the war,
0: well, they made it in the article they made it sound like you know, uh, first of all, these weren't particularly nice people that were running the death march, uh, but but also that it was a resource thing that they couldn't have, they couldn't afford ships uh, to transport.
1: Right, and they folks. couldn't. I mean, they could they were scrounging food and water from the land as they went by. You know, there were a lot of people on that march, and they didn't know they didn't know how
0: them. low the morale and health was on the people that were being attacked. So anyway, uh, uh, World War Two, dysentery. II, right?
1: You know, dysentery kills a lot of people. Since well, we're on such a cheerful...
0: I know, two, I know two things about death. I, I know that I have heard that the reason anybody ever dies is, is because basically the lack of oxygen. That's ultimately <laughs> what it comes down to. Whether it's a gunshot wound or, you know, obviously auto asphyxiation. But uh, that the other one is that uh, diarrhea is the main cause of death in the world. I don't know if that's yeah. true.
1: Yeah, I think that is true. People become dehydrated and through a process of uh, not having enough hydration...
0: Let me see here. Which is, we nerd's, which is what Hitler happens. Hitler pooping, uh, D and D uh, emoticons. Yeah, I, oh, emoticons! You used to be mad about emoticons. Are you used, still mad about them. D- you don't like you don't like them at all. I'm still weaning myself off them because it's been so automatic since 1990, whatever three that when I got on the internet. Back yeah. when you'd just be typing, I, I, I'm still weaning myself off. I don't. I don't have. I need. I need something beside an emoticon. I, 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 uh,
1: emoticons. I'm opposed to primarily because i am a student of language and i don't think that they do any better oh, job oh please than give me words. a fucking break but uh, but also you know my mom's you're a student story... of a lot of things that doesn't make you an authority <laughs> on any of them you know my mom's story was that she was a she was a computer programmer in the 60s and 70s and wrote uh, in early 60s and wrote a lot of the code that um, that still drives uh, our american industries of insurance banking Et cetera, et cetera. And during the y two K, she
0: was like, a, wasn't she like a manager of programmers too? Yeah, I mean, she was yeah, hardcore. Yeah
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, she was Deep She inside. was like, the,
0: she was like the Carol K of uh, of punch cards. Right.
1: Well, during the y two K era, she was getting all these phone calls from people saying, like, uh, we think that uh, in the year two thousand, everything's going to shut down, and uh, nobody knows how to write this code anymore. Nobody knows how to. Nobody understands how it's built. Will you come back? and help us save our, save our skins. And she was like, not for any money in the world.
0: <laughs> well, that's what Sean but, Connery said at first with uh, Alcatraz. Wasn't it Sean Connery they brought in? To, they need an expert on Alcatraz, right? Sean Connery is an expert on Alcatraz? Wasn't that the one? What's the one where the, the people took over the island? Not, not, the, uh, not the Native Americans, but it was a Nicolas Cage movie where they had to bring in somebody who'd been a prisoner there to really understand how, how the place operated. It's Sean classic. Connery it's, was
1: it's, a prisoner of Al- in Alcatraz?
0: Uh, well, I think probably, I mean, no, no, no. You know what I'm talking about though. You got to bring on (sighs) no, and no, but
1: (laughs) not for any money in the world. Sean Connery. And what did she
0: say? She said, no way am I touching that crap. at spaghetti code. No way. And she's, or or she just had to walk the dog. Your your mom has a very, very well-defined schedule. I understand. She has, she's very organized.
1: She said, screw you. Let, you know, damn the torpedoes. Some, you know, some (laughs) days like to just watch the world burn. Your mom did that. Well, she, did, she certainly wasn't going to go back and help them straighten out, their, straighten out their problem. And it turned out not to be that big of a problem. But during that, during that time, she talked about it a lot. And she was like, you know, every, every, uh, every character, every space was so, so valuable to us at the time mm-hmm. that, um, you know, two two more characters in a line of code was you know that we were trying to we were trying to pare it down to to make it as efficient as possible. We weren't gonna you weren't just throwing an extra two
0: numbers in there to to stipulate the date. <laughs> whereas whereas I have five Twitter applications on my pocket computer.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and so you know she was like that's just uh, that's just how it was. We nobody was looking to the year two thousand one because because none of us thought that this stuff would still be running then. There there was not a single one of us in 1967 that thought that the stuff we were writing would still be running the insurance companies in 40 years. And uh, so I feel that way about emoticons. I think that every emoticon that gets used in the future, that will be an emotion that has to get parsed by somebody down the line.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying you're worried that it won't have longevity. Some archivist mm-hmm. is going to be like, "Fuck another smiley face." But you don't think they'll have a way to parse that with like regular expressions or something that'll just gum up the machines?
1: It's exactly the logic they used when the about writing code in the '60s. Mm-hmm.
0: Don't you think there'll be something? There'll be some magic floating car
1: that solves this problem? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, what happens is there's, there's some some schmuck at the Library of Congress is like, "God, Merlin Mann's tweets all have these." Smiley face. That's
0: out. not fair. <laughs> if they can find a way to parse out the poop jokes, I think I think they'll they'll last just fine. Now I've thought about getting a catchphrase. I'm trying to think what I really say when I make a smiley face. You know what I mean? They always make it sound so simple. When you buy one of those internet books in the mid '90s, it would say, you know, like uh, like smiley face means just kidding or whatever, right? Right. right. It's a <laughs> Maybe smiley face. Just say in your face.
1: Smiley face is is so often used as a take back. like. You think it's passive aggressive. That's what yeah. it is. It's yeah. It's like I think you're a fuck face
0: smiley face. It's like so you don't think I'm a fuck face? Oh, see. Now it's coming together. The texts, the text. Yeah. Do some of the texts that get under your skin have smiley faces on them? Is that part of it?
1: Anybody the people should anybody who has my phone number enough to text me knows not to send a smiley face in, in hmm. a text. Not at all. No. But but I have started writing in emails. I just sent people.
0: you uh, sent you a little uh, message there
1: i've started writing in emails like you're a fuck face and then in parentheses i write smiley face emoticon <laughs> and parentheses <laughs> <laughs> just as a way just as a way of saying i could play along oh my god you sent me a smiley face with a music note
0: Such just some what those eighth notes maybe
1: yeah and it's it's animated too mm-hmm. is so it animated on yours It's animated yeah the notes are it's like four or five notes on the I smiley face. I think you face. just
0: found a much bigger problem. I had, I'm had. i so sorry, John. I had no idea I was sending you animated music. I'm really sorry about that. It's not animated yeah. on mine. You got that new Skype probably. It's all screwed up.
1: No, I have the same Skype that you do because you told me that my Skype was the best Skype and not to get a new Skype.
0: Hmm. Wow, I got to find out. I, I. You know what? I apologize for that. You know, this is part of the problem with being that guy. I think I, I have. I'm wielding power that I don't even understand.
1: So this thing now is just going to sit here, and it's, an, it's some kind of gif, and it's just going to animate itself for a thousand years? We'll both- <laughs> I, love,
0: I love when you exercise your, your te- technical expertise on things. Is There's that what it is? Some it's kind of GIF? animated gif? It's some kind of gif? The problem is there. You gotta- we'll both be
1: dead, and this thing will still be smiling and dancing around here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's running the air traffic control system. <laughs> Smiley. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't
0: know. I need a catchphrase. Can really use a catchphrase
1: well maybe we should maybe
0: we should put it to the voters yeah but you know what i don't think you can no no never let people vote on a catchphrase it's like going with <laughs> you know, a second location <laughs> no you can't make that stuff up it's like people who give themselves nicknames or you know or, this is really not so different from wearing the duster like i'm not really sure what the impression is that you're supposed to be giving with the duster a lot of times that's your taller heavier nerves will wear the duster
1: yeah, well, it's uh, the duster is to communicate that they are high plains drifters, or that they are road
0: warriors, or that they have five subway sandwiches under their coat,
1: five subway sandwiches in a custom made leather subway sandwich holster. They call that rolling the cinco. Uh, I think I think uh, the duster and uh, it is a it's a way to stand at the entrance to a parking garage and look like you mean some serious business. You know what I mean? Like the duster mm-hmm. is the universal symbol of what have I got on under this coat?
0: Right. Sort of like you in the Cape. I mean, you see, you see a man in the Cape and a Cape and especially a, like, to be honest, a Walgreens Cape.
1: If you see a man in a Walgreens Cape, I highly recommend you run for your lives. <laughs> Cause he's going to need a nap soon. That's, that's not a thing. <laughs> that's not a thing. I mean, I'm probably the one fully grown man in a Walgreens cape that isn't on Halloween, that you should walk toward. If you see me in a Walgreens cape, by all means, come over and introduce yourself. But anyone else, hell no. Yuck. Hmm.
0: Shouldn't have asked to play the cello.
1: I'm going to send you this cello.
0: How would you? How would you send something like that? Do you just ship it? Uh, you wouldn't want to overnight that. And is this a real cello or is this like a joke cello?
1: It's somewhere between a real and joke cello.
0: It's like a starter cello? Is it like one of the ones they'd rent It's a starter cello. Okay. Is so it, you,
1: does it have a bow? It's a German starter cello and it has a bow.
0: Okay. And it's I just have used like, it. I, it used the it intonation Long is longer. all in the fingers, though. You're, the bridge isn't fucked up. You, I could get oh, this no, thing. Oh, no, it's a perfectly useful instrument. Do uh, I need to just, get it set up or refretted or anything? Oh,
1: no, no. no. <laughs> you, don't need it get, you don't need to get refretted. <laughs> uh no, it's a it's a perfectly good instrument, and I've used it on Long Winter's records. But it's um, it's
0: just a. Uh, Would you like pound pound on the back like a bluegrass band? How did you play it? <laughs> yeah, I used it on Long <laughs> Winter's. Records. I'd set <laughs> it up in the corner,
1: and I'd use it as inspiration. <laughs> I'd sing to it. <laughs> no, it's uh, I, I'm just I'm I, I'm starting to look at I'm starting to look at my life, and I realize that I am a hoarder, and that I have not become a hoarder who. Lives like in a con- in a shipping container, because I still have there, there's still the, the premise that things are like stacked and ordered in a way. But I don't need a cello. If I need a if I need a cello part on a long winny's record, I can have a cello player. I can hire a cello player.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't need to own a cello.
0: Has it come through your mind at some point though, where you think I might need this?
1: Oh, everything. I'm looking at everything. I'm like,
0: I'm definitely going to need that. <laughs>
1: and your candles he needs your candles I need those candles what if there's a power outage or what if I become a phantom
0: but Hmm. I got a lot of bells here Hmm. I, I, More than I strictly need. I'm very, very interested in hoarding, especially because I've had to clean my office this week. I don't know if we want to get into that, but uh, it's been. But I think if you if you collect things, here's the thing: is that a lot of people who say they're collectors are hoarders, and there's usually ways to tell. If you've collected things and you've put them in some kind of an order where you can see them, and if you selected which ones to keep and which ones to get away, give away. You know what I mean? Like like if you've got like if you if you collect what like if you collect like busts of Hitler. Like if you've got five of those and you've Let's arranged say. them, let just for the sake of argument, and I don't <laughs> want to give you any ideas, but if you have a Hitler bust and you've five of them and they're, like, they're all different. I had a friend who collected ETs. Uh, they had to be non-licensed ETs, but like at flea markets, my friend Dennis would always pick up any ETs, cookie jars, but they had to be he would not buy ones that had been licensed. And he had them over his fireplace and it was outstanding. That's a lot like having a cape, to be honest. You walk into that place, you see like five or six like poorly painted ETs. You start thinking about your life. In your case, like all your candles being together on your piano, yes, super creepy, but I think that constitutes a collection. Are there things that you have in boxes that you don't put out? Oh, no, except uh, picture frames. <laughs> that's challenging. How are you going to display picture frames? Then You, well, need, you need pictures. That's what I'm saying. But you're not, here's the thing, and I don't mean to go all derry dah here, but you don't want people thinking about what's inside. You want them thinking about the frame itself, right?
1: Well, uh, that,
0: it's still, it's, it's still. <laughs> it's more complicated than that. Yeah, the jury's still out. You're not sure. I mean, you just, you knew that you needed the frames. You might need them someday, and, and you'll figure it out later, right? Exactly. That's not my, bad. Uh, people uh, like that much books. Uh, yeah.
1: My friend Scott Pluff, uh, who plays drums in a band you may have heard of uh, called uh, Built to Spill. He has a collection of, of uh, not not unlike your not uh, your friend who collects unlicensed ETs. He has a collection of of portraits uh, hanging on a room of, hanging in a room of his house, which is a, a collection of portraits like you've seen a lot of places. Like uh, there's a couple of different bars in Seattle where they've gone to thrift stores and they've bought a bunch of oil paintings of old guys or people, and you know it's a it's a it's a a fairly common decorating meme now, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the uh, mismatched set of thrift store portraits. But Scott Plus' collection of portraits is remarkable because it, they're all like found objects. But because he has this incredible aesthetic, each one of them is an amazing portrait. You know, it, he did not do the thing where he went to a thrift stores and was like, oh, there's a portrait of a weird guy. I'll buy it. It's only a dollar. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he had a house full of these things. Like what he's done is over the course of years, he has only chosen the most amazing portraits. That, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he, he must have passed on a hundred to have this collection of 12. He must have passed on a thousand. Oh, he's discerning. He's discerning. And mm-hmm. so what, what appears to be, you, you go in there and you're like, oh, that's cool. He's got a quirky set of, of these things. But if you look at any one of them, you're like, well, now that is incredible, that thing. And and he's not a hoarder. You know, He does not fall for the trap of like, I collect candlesticks, so I have 600 of them. He's like, I collect candlesticks, so I have six of them. But each one of them is the best candlestick you ever saw. And that's what I aspire to. Um, Right. But it's very hard for me to walk past, you know, if I'm collecting candlesticks, it's very hard for me to walk past one. And then once I have it, here's what makes me a hoarder. It's very difficult for me to go, you know what, this candlestick doesn't meet my standards. So I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna throw it in the garbage. Kind of a or, okay. kind
0: of luminary. Sophie's choice. You, it's a lot of people like one in one out. It's not a bad idea unless you have the storage space and you rotate it out like a museum. Yeah, one in one out, and that's absolutely how it should be. Or one in two out. You know, how do you decide on uh, picking up a picture frame? It seems like you must encounter a lot of picture frames.
1: I do, and uh, I uh, picture frames. You know, they come in standard sizes, so it's always nice to find them when they're they're weird sizes. And mm-hmm. I just like you know, I like them where. It, it's old and some old... It's, it's obvious that it sat on some grandmother's piano for 60 years with mm-hmm. a p- portrait of her dead son in it. Mm. And that stuff, that stuff really it speaks to me. But I have too many of them right now. I'm not going to lie.
0: I don't want to get into too much detail. But um, <clears throat> for, for, for external reasons that, that are... Basically, I, I had... There was going to have to be somebody who comes into my office which is something that doesn't happen. Like this is, this is my secret, my secret, you know, Merlin dungeon. Like this, this is never meant. It was, it's not a studio. You don't come in. There's no open houses. There's no canapes. Like I sneak in and lock the door. Right. Right. And, uh, and as it happens, somebody would have to be in here in the next couple of weeks. And I had to really scramble to, to get it cleaned up, which is good because it was time. But it makes me realize how much stuff I tacitly keep for absolutely no reason. And I don't even want to call it a, a collection, but it makes me feel a little hordy. And I don't feel good about it. But I'll find stuff like, and, and this is, I made a crack about this on Twitter the other day. Like, don't throw that away. That's a really nice box. Like, I don't uh-huh. know if those words have ever come out of your mouth, uh-huh. but that's, that's a good sign that the crazy is, is, uh, is in there somewhere. Like it's when you keep something because it's a good box, really, like a cardboard box. And in my case, I, I'm I, sitting I there. Have those. I have a collection of cardboard oh, boxes. Oh, I love a, a really, You know, one of those real rigid ones that, that can really stand up. Or it's a good size. Sometimes you want a box. Now, you know this. You've moved. When you move, a lot of people think, oh, we got to go get some big boxes. You do not want big boxes, especially for books, right? You want something you I, can carry. Small boxes. A small box is not something to be treated lightly, you know, but then you got to store them. you got to get boxes for your boxes, and in my case I'm sitting there and like and I'm sitting there and I already have so many office supplies. I have so many folders. Sometimes when I need to relax, I buy, I, I buy a notebook or index cards if I need to unwind.
1: I know how much you like an index card.
0: And so I've got a lot of those and I what I what I seem to have a lot of that I was never aware of and, and you don't see this until you have to put it all in one place, right? You seem like you've got a pretty tidy house, so you probably don't run into this. In my case, I can't believe how many almost full pads of post-it notes i have i don't use post-it notes for anything i don't even know why i have them but I have a
1: huge box of almost full of post-it notes me no i do really not because i have ever bought a post-it note in my life but because my dad and my mom were both post-it note maniacs
0: your mom
1: I, she doesn't strike me as a post-it note person well no she's not now she's moved on you know what she uses she well for a long time she was using index cards. chalkboard but no, now she just uses her phone. She's become a complete computer. It's all on the computer
0: now. I, I have no context for understanding that. Really? Okay. Yeah. We know Post-it Note people, you know, you know. I'm just telling you, it's one of the things like uh, cats and scrapbooking. I'm telling you. Mm. I'm telling you. Uh, Eventually,
1: just, the Post-it Notes will eat your face when yeah, you die. Yeah, you're going
0: to have <laughs> eat your toes, your diabetic toes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put a sign on your toe. <laughs> Mr. Mufflekins, please do not eat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I think it's a hoarding thing. I think, I think posted note people, you know, I think that they're, they're worried. They're worried. I think, I think hoarding is about the fear of loss. Mm. Well, you know, hoarding actually is not, not to go all uh, DSM, but like it is, it is a form of OCD. Right. Sure. It's just that instead of being obsessive-compulsive about things, you know, being in a row or any of those famous ha-ha things, it's a compulsion about, like, losing something. Like, I can't throw out this, this box full of diapers because there might be one in there that's an important memory or have diamonds in it or something. You've got these – but you, you encounter this with people, and this is and this is why I worry about scrapbooking. You, you are a kind of scrapbooker, John, and I think that's something to be aware of. Just even having a box full of Post-it notes that you don't use is something that I would just – if I may say, something you might want to think about.
1: Well, let me ask you this. How yeah. – many shoeboxes of uh, power adapters do you have here in your life
0: <laughs> near me
1: <laughs> yeah near you
0: I have a, let me put it this way i have a anything that's got a usb dingus on it i have a lot of trouble throwing out even if it even if i've got like 500 of them yeah because there will always be a time where I, where I feel like I, I need that. I can't get rid of that. And, and and this is the partly the problem is that when you become this way about stuff is you lose track of how much of it you actually have, and yeah. that's when it becomes dangerous. Because not only are you going to keep way more than you need, but if you don't know... And in the past, I've been good about this. And I go, okay, everything that's a USB dingus has to go in this box. And then by the time I'm done with that, I look and I go, holy fucking shit. yeah I cannot believe how many USB to like standard USB to mini USB like, mail cords I've got. It's completely ridiculous. I have no yeah. need for that. Now, for me, it's notebooks. I have a serious... This is one... I'm, I'll own this. I have a serious notebook problem. And sometimes sometimes I'll use them. Sometimes I'll just pick them up because they're cool. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I make fun of the notebook people a lot because, of, you know, the ha-ha, you don't actually write in your notebooks. I have notebooks I write in, but I also will just collect interesting ones that I find. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're beautiful little items, aren't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, see, I every notebook ones. you
1: collect is 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 you imagining... A trip you're gonna take where you're gonna write every day or are you imagining sitting on a park bench and sketching
0: man uh, maybe that could be could be used
1: to be for me i mean i every i would buy a notebook and i would just look at it and say like yeah i'm gonna you know this is the notebook i'm gonna be carrying when i cross the the uh hindu
0: kush (laughs) is that a sex thing (laughs) is that a tantric thing crossing the hindu kush Hindu uh, Hindu
1: Kush is uh, is the name of my cosplay character
0: <laughs> Oh man